0: If you have a copy of God's Word, uh, would you please open up to 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, Whether it be on a Bible, we have one in the pew in front of you, or uh, your smart device. Uh, If you didn't know it, then you can go to the Bible app and you can actually uh, find the events tab and you can find the same notes that you'll see on the screen up here this morning. I just want to make sure everybody uh, has a way to... To meditate on what God is wanting to say to you today. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for what we've already experienced in worship. And may the reading of your word go forth and permeate our lives. And give us real ways, Lord, to praise you, to honor you, and to adjust our lives to please you, Lord. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here. And you know what? It's a natural reaction for us. That when we are in times of fear, to do one of two things. Either to fight in the midst of fear, or maybe to run in the midst of fear. Because run can do, I mean, running, hiding, all of these different things, because fear has a way of either motivating us to do something about it, or number two, it paralyzes us. So, if you are hiding, you may be at the exact point where God wants to teach you a valuable lesson today. You see, we hide in fear because of sometimes fatigue or maybe threats to our security and self-reliance. It might be a doctor's report. It might be uh, a relationship. It might be financial burdens. It could be any number of things. But the thing is is that we are all burdened by things in life today because that's what life does. Life is unfair. We live in a fallen world And it doesn't always work like we want. And sometimes we are in a position that God has placed us in because he wants to, A, teach us a lesson, or B, use us to teach somebody else a lesson. But we have to remember that whether we are fatigued or threatened, that in these moments we are reminded of God's relentless love for us. And there is nowhere that we can hide from God's unfailing love for us because he is faithful. And again, that's the, the series that we're in over the next few Sundays is God is faithful. Even in our fear, even when we are hiding, we saw a couple of weeks ago in chapter 17 that the widow, she feared God would not provide for her, but yet he did. She feared that Elijah would come into her life and that Elijah had caused harm in her life because her son... It passed away, but then again it was Elijah who brought him back to life with God's power. In chapter 18 we saw Israel and and King Ahab that they had forgotten the fear of God. And he used Elijah in a great miraculous way to call fire from heaven and to consume the altars. To show that he is the one true God. And so today we see that Elijah has been on a mountaintop. He just came off one of the biggest victories of his life. As a matter of fact, we read in chapter 18 that in the middle of it, he was actually a little cocky about it. He told him, he said, yeah, go ahead, put some more water on that. What's wrong? I can't, your God's not doing anything. Maybe you're not screaming loud enough. And he he hurled all of these kind of cocky phrases at him. But yet, he knew that God was the one working. It wasn't Elijah himself. But today, the thing is, is that when we are hiding in fear, we have to remember a few things. The first thing is, we have to recognize the threat. The threat we find in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 19. He says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. If you've been following with us through this passage, King Ahab was an evil king, but behind every king is even a more evil woman. Oh, that's not how that phrase goes, is it? <laughs> but but actually, in this case, it's accurate. Because King Ahab, he was evil. He was, in, he was installed to rule because he was an evil king by God. But also, his wife was running the show. There's no doubt. About that, So the first thing he did is he ran to his wife and told her everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all of the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. Check it out. May the gods, little g, plural s. May the gods, in other words, the gods that she worships. Not the one true God, but the gods. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Well, I can't say that I don't blame him. He had just put, or got a price put on his head. And Elijah... Here he was at the moment, he was challenging Jezebel. Why was she so upset? Because Elijah had killed all of her prophets. We saw in that 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 all the prophets of Baal were killed after that miraculous feat of God. So I don't know about you, but if you are an evil ruler and all the people that you have spent time putting your money indoctrinating and, and feeding and supporting all of these people to tell you you are all that in a bag of chips, and all of a sudden they are gone and you have nobody, you're mad. Because all of this time that you have put in making sure you surround yourself with people that think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread are now gone, and now there's nobody to stroke Queen Jezebel's ego. Yes, to say she was mad is an understatement. These were all advisors that fed her and King Ahab's ego. All of their prophecies dealt with the future and the power and the rule of Ahab and Jezebel over Israel. All of her money, her effort and time that had been spent in assembling all of these yes-men prophets was washed away and wasted. Now, I know you're in, in, in Bible story mode there, but if you were to take just a moment and apply it to your life, and I was would be brave enough to take a moment and apply it to my life. What we see is that though we don't have prophets of Baal that we are trying to feed, we still have gods, little g, little s. We have little gods in our life. They're called ego. They're called idols. They're called popularity. What other people think? Will I have enough? All of these different things that we spend our entire lives trying to build up. And then all of a sudden, for Jezebel, they were gone. Because Israel, even though at one time they worshipped the one true God, and they did in theory because they still had religious activities to where they would go and worship, but to truly rely on God, they were not doing that. They had begun worshipping their own little gods. Let me ask you this. Is God the one true God that you worship? Or has your finances crept into that spot? Has your relationships or your wants or your selfishness, have they become the center of your life? The fear of what other people think about you, the fear of not having enough, the fear of being good enough, the fear of what's next. Don't throw Jezebel under the bus, because to be quite honest, all of us have been or are in the same boat. Because there is always at the seat of our heart, The throne of our heart, where God dwells, there is always competition to take that seat. Yes, her, her yes men were gone. And Elijah, the biggest thing that she had, or the the biggest thing that Elijah attacked was the queen's pride. She was supposed to be the only powerful ruler in town. Even though in her mind, the husband was the one that technically had the power. Do not be mistaken. She had the power. She told him what to do. She told him how to act. She told him, matter of fact, if you notice, it wasn't King Ahab that put the price on Elijah's head. Who was it? Mama wasn't happy. And in that case, if Mama ain't happy, the whole nation of Israel is not happy. So we pick up the story again. We see that there is a threat. And the point I want to make with that is that evil will do everything in its power to keep its way and to hold its power over you to imprison you. She was upset because she lost her reins over other people. And if you, we see people that have addictions. We see people that can't get out of the rut they're in. We see people that go from relationship to relationship making the same mistakes over and over again. The same financial woes, month. After month, and when we, we don't realize the fact that there are these things that we're holding on to that are actually the very things that are imprisoning us. We see in verses three and four the actual retreat. As we said a moment ago, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. So he left his team, he left everybody that meant anything to him, and he ran. He ran, ran, ran. And all of a sudden, I think of that 80s song, I Ran So Far Away. I'm not going to sing it, but maybe one or two of you might remember that song. But then he went on alone to the wilderness, traveling all day. And he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Some translations say a juniper tree, but he said, I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I am no better than my Ancestors who have already died. Woo! He gets a death threat and he runs and he goes south as far as he can go and he hides and he says, I'll just, just go ahead and kill me. Now look, I'm not again, not throwing him under the bus, but he's having a little bit of a pity party. Folks, he was just part of watching God call down fire from heaven. He just stood up to the king and the nation of Israel and now he's hiding? Folks, Elijah lost his courage when he took his eyes off of God. Because although Jezebel thought that she was threatening Elijah, Elijah is God's and so she was threatening God. And so when you have people that come at you, when you have principalities that come at you, I want you to know when you want to hide in fear and you think that they're attacking you, they got to get through God first. And good luck on that. Because God will win every single time. When we take our eyes off of God, we lose our very source of strength. It's not His fault because it is continuously offered it's our fault for turning away from it look i I can totally identify with elijah i don't know about you but i've had some spiritual victories in my life there there have been times where i'll I'll just think Woo god that's awesome then all of a sudden watch out whoa all of a sudden something sweeps you off your feet and then you think oh god why are we here you learn your lesson and then it happens over and over again. Elijah did not want to be found. What a change from what he just came from, the prophet that had called fire now to one hiding. The king wasn't after Elijah, by the way. The king didn't make that decree, did he? It was Jezebel. It was Jezebel for it was, her, for her, it was personal. How ironic, the one who was brave enough to face the king and queen now was running from them. But good, dear Christian brother and sister, don't be ashamed of Elijah. And don't think that his faith has faltered. Don't think that he is a disgrace to God. And don't think that he was a failure. Do not throw him under the bus because how did Elijah go from confronting the king and the prophets of Baal to hiding under this tree? Folks, I'll go ahead and tell you what. Doing God's will is not easy. And with it comes highs and lows. But you can take this to the bank. A person who is serving God will get tired. They will have times of weariness. And yes, even times of hiding. Now, the good pious Christians will say, Well, Brother Romans 8, 28 says that God works for the good of all those that love Him. Have you heard that one? Have you seen that one? Have you claimed that one? I have. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean to the comfort of us. Everything that ha- listen to me everybody, everything that happens in your life passes through the hands of God, true or false. Whether it be His blessings, whether it be His judgment, whether it be His punishment, whether it be what somebody else is doing, everything flows through His hands. And all of those things, good and bad, the heartaches and the yeehaws and all of those things, all flow through His hand. And they are all for your good. So when we look at Elijah, actually this hiding... Even though it's, we're disappointed that he was once so strong and now here he is hiding, it is still for his good and we'll see why. Because we see one thing. In this unpleasant experience, he needed rest. Look at verses 5-7. through seven. Verse 5 says, Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But he was sleeping and the angels touched him and told him, Get up and eat. So he looked around and there beside his bed was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and he laid down again. Verse 7. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. And then verse 7. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat again because the journey will be too much for you. Folks, what we see here, Elijah was exhausted. Elijah was plain worn out. And my dear Christian brother or sister, whether you are here every time the doors are open, or whether you are here when you can get a chance to, I want you to understand Every believer has times where they need to take a time out. There are times I have found in my life, I don't know about you, but there are times where God has sent me to a time out that I didn't want to take. But sometimes he slows us down because he knows that we need to rest. Elijah's emotions were a wreck. He was as tough as they come, but yet he was sensitive because his passion to serve God and his love for people. And we see the level of Elijah's despair back in verse four, because he said, I just might as well die. He was absolutely spent. But God knows, folks, when you need rest and sometimes he will put you in a position to get it. God knows when you need to rest, even when you're oblivious to it. Why is that? Because there are some of you good, fine, upstanding Christians in here that maybe you you don't suffer from temptation. You don't suffer from coveting what somebody else has, and and you're squeaky clean. But I'll tell you what, if Satan can't get you through the big ones, he'll get you through the biggest one. what is that? Making you so busy that you don't have time for God. And it's just as bad. Elijah was slowed down. Then we see the realization of God's power. Let me, let me just, before I move on to that, let me just say, the whole three weeks we've been preaching about Elijah, I've been trying to get to this moment in the Scriptures where God told him through the angel to get up. Isn't it amazing that when Elijah was hiding and stressed out and at the bottom of his rope for doing what God has asked him to do, God came to him and restored him. What a beautiful moment. I don't know if you've ever been at the end of your rope. I'm sure you have. You got to the end of your rope and then you realize there was more rope to get to the end of. But you know what? Tie a knot at the end of the rope and know that wherever you land, God loves you. God, even in the midst of your doubts and your exhaustion, loves you and wants to minister to you and tells you, Get up. This is not the end. I'm preparing you for something next. We see the realization of God's power in verses 8 through 12. He says, so he got up, ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, "Why are? What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken the covenant with you. "'Torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. "'I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. "'Go out and stand before me on the mountain,' the Lord said to him. "'And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, "'and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. "'It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, "'but the Lord was not in the wind.' After the wind was there, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Folks, if you are hiding from God, I just go ahead and set the record straight. If you are hiding from God, don't worry. He sees you. Now, I don't think any of you are hiding under a juniper tree, but I do know what sometimes we spend so, we will go an entire week and not spend quality time with the Lord. And you think you're, you're getting by with something? No, it's your loss. You cannot hide from God. There is nothing that we do in the dark that will not be brought out in the light. I think it's amazing to see that he goes to Mount Sinai. Some translations say Mount Horeb, which was the same place God revealed himself to Moses and the people of Israel by giving them his ten commandments for living. Folks, this was a sacred place. And when you are in the point Elijah is in, sometimes you need to go back to your sacred place. Maybe sometimes it's coming to church. Maybe it's sometimes it's going back to a place that God did something amazing in your life. But God gave Elijah special strength to travel this great distance. It was over 200 miles he traveled with no additional food. We saw in verses 12-14 through 14 that we can see a lesson in the small voice. The still small voice. The still small voice. And there's a lesson in that voice. So let me show it to you. Katie's going to put it on the screen. You may think that God works through the great miracles in life when actually, as we see here, God's most powerful tool is the one who listens to his still small voice and acts upon it. I don't know about you, but there are some times where I wish God would just, James, this is what you need to do. And that would be easy, right? I have given you five steps. Go look at that and everything will work out fine. Does it work for you like that? Not me. A lot of times it's that still small voice. Even when I'm trying to go my own way, that still small voice says, are you done yet? (laughs) Are you done yet? Are you done yet? Are you ready to listen? Too many times we're looking for God in the fires and the earthquakes in our lives when actually He's the still small voice that is speaking to us in every moment. Never think that you are alone, believer. We saw here that Elijah was saying, I'm the only one left. Have you ever been in that situation where you feel like the whole world is against you? I've been that way. I mean, But the thing is, is that there, there are times where you can be in a crowd of people and still feel alone. You can be serving God. You can be loving on people. You can be living your life and still struggle with, I feel like I'm all alone. Elijah was there. He let the grief and the fatigue and the situation lose his perspective when actually Obadiah and all of the prophets of God that were still back, where he fled from, we're needing somebody to lead him, but he lost sight of him. Folks, when you are hiding from God, do not think you are alone because God is with you. And do not think that there are not other people that are suffering just as you did. Let me ask you this. Has the pain that you have gone through and the things that you have been hiding from, have they been a benefit to others later on in life? Absolutely. The lessons that you are learning today may be the very lessons that you have to teach your children, your grandchildren, your friends, someone in church, someone who is a close friend, or someone that you just meet on the street. These things that happen to you are for a purpose. Do not hide from God. The question is, are you listening to God? Then we see in verses 15 through 18, we see the rebound. We see Elijah's recommissioning. Let's read verses 15 through 18. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Neshimi, to be king of Israel and anoint Elisha, son of Sephat, From the town of Abel Maloah. To replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazel. Will be killed by Jehu. And those who escape Jehu. Will be killed by Elisha. Yet I preserve 7,000 others in Israel. Who have never bowed down. To Baal. Or kissed him. What we see here. I know there were some names. That were hard to pronounce. And there are some people. That you may not be familiar with. But let me give you the bottom line. The bottom line is, Elijah ran, he hid, God ministered to him, God refreshed him, God restored him to send him to his next place of service. So understand, my friend, if you have a moment like Elijah has of hiding and being worn out, understand that God is preparing you for something ahead of you. Some see Elijah and they think, I can see myself in Elijah at times. Maybe you have felt the way he felt. Maybe you have had spiritual victories and then right after that victory comes one of the greatest tests of your life. But here's the thing, when you're in the middle of that, let me show you this. It's easy to lose sight of God's faithfulness when fear has you focused on the fear of your situation. It's easy to lose sight of God's faithfulness, when fear has you focused on the fear of your situation. If you have lost sight of the fact that God is faithful to you, then you have been focusing on the wrong things. I know many of you, you in here, you're okay, but maybe you've got a family member that's in a fight of their life. We cannot focus on those things that threaten us, but we must focus on the faithfulness of God. So what do we do when we're in that situation? There's three things we see from this passage. And You know a preacher, they've got to start with the same letter. Refresh. Refuel. And relaunch. Refresh, refuel, and relaunch. Some see Elijah as fleeing from Queen Jezebel and her threats when actually Elijah, unknowingly to him at the time, was running to God. See, we read this as if he was running from God, but actually he was running to God. My friend, when you were having your tough times and when you were having... Issues with God's faithfulness? Or you you feel like that you are in some type of exhaustion or some type of fatigue? I want you to understand something. You're not running from God. You cannot. It is impossible to run from God. You are running to Him. My friend, you came here today thinking you were hiding in fear. When actually God says, get up. I've got plans for you today. God was dealing with Elijah to prepare him to get the next one up to bat, to the plate. And we see where Elisha, Elijah goes to commission Elisha. Folks, our experiences are not only for us to discover God's faithfulness, but to prepare those who follow us. If you are a parent, you understand that. You do the best that you can to provide and prepare your children, your grandchildren, those you teach. Those you love, those that are in your circle of influence. And folks, you are better today because of the lessons someone taught you. And you sit here today because God is faithful. And you will walk out of these doors today because God is faithful. And you will make it through today and have hope for tomorrow. Why? Because God is faithful. Folks, so don't Folks, don't look to the world in fear because it only creates more questions. And it leads to a sense of emptiness. But be determined in fear to run to God, to worship Him, and give Him your fears. And when you give Him your fears, He is faithful and He will use those fears to build your faith. Amen. God, thank you so much for this sermon today. And it's not the sermon, Lord, it's your scripture. Lord, we just, I'm sure many in here can identify with Elijah. I know I can. And so, dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that in this invitation time, Lord, if there is if there is someone here, Lord, that says, you know, I've been hiding from God and, and I understand now that, that he's been with me and, and he's wanting something from my life and, and maybe you don't know him as your Savior and Lord and he has been on you to to accept him as your Savior and Lord. So you don't have to live in fear anymore. If you'd like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, may you come forward at this invitation. And I will pray with you. And you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are saved. Maybe you just want to come to the altars and pray. Or join this church or be baptized. Whatever it may be. This invitation is a time for you to respond. And don't be fearful and stay back there in that pew. And think that I'll do it tomorrow. Because folks, we are not promised tomorrow. Whatever your prayer request is. Whatever your need is. You can give it to Him there. Or you can come forward. Whatever it may be. May you respond as the Lord leads you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?